0: Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. I am continuing my exploration of the early chapters of Genesis, interpreted from a non-dual perspective. And today, I'm looking at the second creation story in the Bible. The first creation account of Genesis 1, about the seven days of creation, was written in the sixth century BC. The second creation account found in Genesis 2 was written earlier, exactly how much earlier is up for grabs. It was thought to maybe be 300 years earlier, but it might have only been 100 years earlier for a purpose that dating really doesn't matter. All that matters is that this is an entirely different creation story about the origin of humankind. God has a different name in this account. God is Yahweh, combined with the other divine name, Elohim. So we hear he's called Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh is a much earlier deity, whereas Elohim of Genesis one simply spoke the universe into existence. Yahweh gets his hand dir- gets his hands dirty literally. He gets down on his hands and knees in the Mesopotamian mud and forms a human body the way a potter forms a clay pot. Then Yahweh puts his mouth to the mouth of this earth man and breathes his breath, neshamah Haim, the breath of life, into the nostrils of this clay man and the man, Ha'adam, becomes a nefesh-hayah, a living soul. Now so far, this is standard stuff that any seminary student who took an Old Testament introduction course would know. But now let me talk about how this second creation story is an expression of non-duality. First of all, we have to understand that this is myth. Myth in a good sense. Myth does not mean it's not true. Myth is true fiction. Myth communicates spiritual truth through stories that are not meant to be taken literally. The error of fundamentalism is that it thinks the stories have to be taken literally in order to be true. That's just a clever way that the ego has to avoid truth. Nothing in Genesis is to be taken literally, especially not the first eleven chapters, but they are to be taken seriously as ancient stories that communicate profound spiritual truth. So what is the truth that is being communicated? The second creation account is communicating the sense of closeness, even oneness, between human and divine. Yahweh here is not a distant creator. As I said, he gets on his hands and knees. He gets his hands dirty in the act of creation. He forms mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to give humans life. This is no far-away, distant, transcendent deity who is too holy to be approached. This is a very imminent God. This story also tells us something about who we are. God breathes his breath into the man of dirt, and that body becomes alive. This is who we are. We are living dirt. You are dust, and to dust you shall return, Genesis says. That is literally true. We are dirt, which ought to be obvious to anyone who has ever scattered the ashes of a loved one. This body is made of the same elements as the soil in my garden. I am earth. I am the earth. This body has been around in some form for four and a half billion years as earth and before that for another eight billion years before there was an earth when the elements of my body of this body were being formed in stars. The earth is not something different than us. The earth is us. The earth is literally my body. Now that puts a whole new spin on environmentalism. There's a lot of controversy now about climate change and extinctions and the environment. What people don't really get is that we're not talking about something separate from us. We are talking about ourselves. We are this earth, and everything on it. The earth is us. In this Genesis story, the Hebrew word for human, Adam, is a male form of the word for earth, Adama. Adam comes from Adama. We are variations on the same thing. Even the English language communicates this. The word human comes from the same root as humus, which is soil. We are literally... And chemically, one with the earth. We come from earth. We return to earth. We are earth. And in that sense, we never die as long as there is an earth. We simply change form. So this is the body part of the creation story. The second part of the creation story is the spiritual part. The story says that God breathes into this earth body. The breath of life, or the spirit of life, of life haim, our life is divine breath. This in-breathing was not just a one-time event. God breathes every breath we take. God is breathing through us now. That is why breath and breath exercises are so much associated With spiritual disciplines. God is breathing through us. God's spirit animates us. Our spirit is God's spirit. The spirit in us is God's spirit according to Genesis. That's what the Upanishads mean when they say that Atman is Brahman. Spirit in us is the Divine Cosmic Spirit. Just as we are the Earth and the Earth is in us, so that we can say that we are Spirit, and the Spirit is us. We are one with God and creation. There's a third part of the story, and this is where it really gets interesting. It's about the soul. It says, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Ha'adam, man of earth, was inbreathed by neshama, the breath of life, and became nefesh haya, traditionally translated a living soul. Now, many people use the word soul as a synonym for spirit, but that's not the case in scripture. Soul is the result of the union of body and spirit. The body and spirit combine, the story says, to produce a living soul, and the Greek word that translates the Hebrew word, nephesh, is suke or psyche, that's the word used in the Septuagint, which is the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. This psyche. The soup, the soul, is what we normally understand to be our unique individual self. It is present at birth and develops in the early years of life through through contact and influence from family and culture. It is our interface with the world. And just like every snow crystal is unique, so every living psyche. Is unique this soul psyche is both a beautiful wonderful thing but it can be a deceptive and enslaving thing and that's when we often call it ego it is deceptive and delusional when we, we mistake this individual psyche for our true nature it's not it is an expression of what we are the psyche is our temporary human expression and as such It's glorious, like each sunrise or sunset is unique and glorious. We are complex psychological creatures with wonderful intellectual, emotional, imaginative and intuitive capacities. And that's a good thing, but it is transitory. This personal, individual, Soul psyche is not immortal, it had a beginning and it will have an end. One day it will cease when the body dies and returns to earth. Ecclesiastes says the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Well, what about the soul? This is where I want to go one step further than interpreters normally go in talking about the soul in Genesis chapter 2. Commentators normally talk about only individual souls or psyches, but the Genesis creation story actually, when you look at it, only talks about one soul. In Genesis, Ha'adam, Adam, represents not the individual, but humankind as a whole. Humankind is a living soul. All of humanity is one living soul. There are not 8 million little individual and mortal souls running around on their earth trying to get enlightened or saved or born again or get to heaven or escape the wheel of rebirth or whatever your religious scheme of salvation happens to be. We are one soul. We share our soul with everyone else. When the body dies, the sense of being an individual self ends. But the larger soul of humanity continues as long as there are humans. We are one spiritual soul. We are one with all humans who have ever lived and ever will live. This is where the idea of reincarnation comes from. We sense that we have lived before and we will live again in all others in history. That's also why a sense of spiritual connection with ancestors has been a part of human spirituality from earliest times. That oneness is also with God who gives humankind life. The spiritual life is about realizing this oneness now. This reality is also where the idea of a personal theistic God comes from. I think the idea of a personal theistic God comes from our awareness of being a self that is bigger than our individual personal selves. And people have called that collective soul God. This is the origin of theism. Only one soul is mentioned in the story in Genesis and our seemingly individual psyches or or souls are all expressions of it. All humans share one soul just as we share the same air and the water and the same elements in our bodies. I think this is also what is referred to when Christians speak about a personal relationship with Christ. Christ is another term for this one human soul. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the apostle Paul said. All die in Adam and are resurrected in Christ, he said. Emerson called this the world soul, anima mundi. Plato talked about this as the suke cosmo, the cosmic soul. This is the logos of John's gospel. This is what Christians call Christ. This is the Christ who was resurrected when the individual named Jesus died. This is the eternal Christ seen as human and divine. This is Christ incarnated in us. Teresa of Avila famously said, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com.